Joey Votto was pinch hit for with another left-handed hitter, and that was only the third worst thing that happened to the Reds on Tuesday night. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, and my name is Jeff Carr. I am a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan, and I've turned an addiction into information for you when it comes to this Cincinnati Reds team, bringing you daily content Monday through Friday all throughout the season and through the offseason as well. Uh, Locked On Reds is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every single day. Thank you for taking time out of your day to talk some Reds with me. If you're an everydayer, thank you. You make this show go, and I appreciate you so much. And for those of you everydayers, you know that I love to be optimistic about this team. I was at the ballpark on Tuesday night. Not a whole lot to be optimistic about Tuesday night. We will talk about the debacle that the Reds endured Tuesday night, and maybe maybe it was endured, maybe it was self-inflicted. We'll get into that. Uh, we'll look at uh, the question about Ellie De Cruz. What is wrong with Ellie, because ever since the all-star break, it ain't been good. And what's that look like for the final, now we're now nine games of the season. And uh, I also want to look at the importance of this next start for Hunter Green and what Hunter Green needs to this team. Before we get into all that, I want to let you know today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. All right, there's uh, no two ways about it. Tuesday night stunk. It felt like the Reds were daring themselves to win. And look, I know bullpen days are a thing that some successful teams do. Openers are, th- are, are, are strategies employed by uh, some pretty good teams and things like that. But I, I just really felt, watching that game on Tuesday night, it felt like the baseball version of, like, you know when, you know, those times when you were hanging out with your friends and one of your one person would say, hey, I bet you can't do this. And it was always something that you obviously couldn't do. And you try it anyway, and it just goes horribly wrong. I have said that the Reds' bullpen can get them to the postseason. But if we're going to constantly give one game a series to a quote-unquote bullpen day, they might be trying to prove me wrong on this because the way that that strategy was employed, <clears throat> look, the, the Tampa Bay Rays do a fantastic job of this with the bullpen days and employing openers and things like that. They have a strategy. Tuesday night, it felt like the Reds had no strategy. In fact, as a big fan of Chevy Chase and his movies, um, it felt like that scene from National Lampoon's Vegas Vacation. You know what I'm talking about when they go to the Hoover Dam and there's a little bit of a leak, a leak that springs on the on the dam tour whenever Chevy Chase is like, oh, okay, I'll plug it with some chewing gum. 
and then another leak springs and he plugs that with bubble gum and then another leak springs. And then the first leak that he uh, covered up with bubble gum that begins to go crazy. And so he covers up the bubble gum with more bubble gum. That felt like what the reds were trying to do on Tuesday night, because I even said it, I said, bullpen day, we'll see uh, Fernando Cruz start. And then you go to a lefty, either Sam Mall or Alex Young. I said, Sam Mall ended up being Alex Young. But that was Alex Young after two other righties. So you went from a righty in Fernando Cruz to a righty in Buck Farmer to a righty in Daniel Duarte. Then you go to Alex Young, who gives up a home run. Then you go to Ben Lively. I, I just... Ever since Ben Lively got destroyed in Chicago... 13 runs over four innings. If you don't remember that, that's probably a good thing. You, you should put that out of your memory. But I haven't. And that outing from him, ever since then, he's just not been right. He's just not been really usable. He's had 13, sorry, 14 innings since that game, and he's given up 11 runs. I get it. We're to the point now where... There's one day out of the schedule that the Reds really aren't sure who's pitching that day. The good news is there's plenty of off days the rest of the way. We might be able to work around this, but it just felt like that better be the last time. It better be the last time because it didn't seem like there was a plan. They were just plugging holes and as more holes popped up and then all of a sudden it just all blew up on them and you had to get out of there. Because there felt like a point on Tuesday night that the Reds kind of just said, you know what, this ain't happening. And it was before the ninth inning. Uh, It was interesting because, yes, this was a game that as I was watching, I'm like, geez, the, the Twins are getting every break. The ball keeps falling their way in every scenario. Kudos to Willie Castro. Oh, my gosh. That was not a luck thing. That was a talent thing. Willie Castro, the guy who played center field for the Twins on Tuesday night, was phenomenal with the glove. I think he homered too, but phenomenal with the glove. He robbed Tyler Stevenson of a surefire two-RBI single in in the fourth inning. And then in the sixth inning, with a runner on first base, Tyler Stevenson hits a bomb to straightaway center field, but it's just over the wall so that Willie Castro can reach, jump up, reach over, grab the ball, pull it back in, catch it out. Instead of a two-run homer, it's an out, and the runner at first base stays there. Really, he took four runs off the board, and those two plays, more than anything, solidified the Twins' win. I know that the Twins scored seven runs. I get it. They had 11 hits. But if you look at... StatCast, StatCast said that based on the contact quality and all this other stuff that the Twins had, the Twins and the Reds had very similar expected batting averages. The Twins were at 208, the Reds were at 206. But the Twins had 11 hits, and the Reds only had four. It's because there was a lot of dinks and dunks and, and ground balls that found holes and bloops that found grass, and voila. Twins get seven runs. Reds, on the other hand, didn't find that grass, didn't find those runs, and it was just rough. And look, 
the Reds got to a point in the seventh inning where I felt like, okay, they're done because they pinch hit Nick Martini for Joey Votto. We talked about it earlier in the year. Joey Votto was pinch hit for a right-handed batter coming in. You know, it was a lefty on the mound or a lefty relief pitcher came in on the mound. And so David Bell took Joey Votto out, put the right-handed bat in to try and drum up some offense. This was a situation where he replaced Joey Votto with another left-handed bat. And as far as I recording this Wednesday or uh, Tuesday night, um, there was no reason given for that. No, you know, no injury reason or, you know, his shoulder was bothering him. It was just kind of like whenever you start pulling players in a blowout, this team is not in a position to give away games. And it just kind of felt like the entire night, like they were just like, man, you know what? If we win this game, great. Probably won't, but if we win this game, great. That was that was bad to see. I, I and I hope Joey's okay. I hope we don't hear something, and, and you know maybe you're listening to this, and maybe some news has already come out. But hopefully everything is fine with Joey. But I just found it so odd that they pinch hit for him. Joey's playing first base. He wasn't DH, and he playing first base. Oh, and by the way, on top of all of this wonderfulness, the Marlins, the Diamondbacks, and the Cubs all won. Ugh. So the Reds are officially one game out of the final wild card spot. They're a game and a half behind the Diamondbacks for the second wild card spot. And look, Tuesday night, the Reds dared themselves to win a ball game, and they didn't. <clears throat> and that's frustrating. Something else has been frustrating here recently has been the performance of Ellie De La Cruz. And the answer to what's eating at Ellie De La Cruz is simple. I'll tell you what that is coming up next. Before we get to that, I want to tell you about one of today's sponsors. Because today's episode is brought to you in part by Sleeper. Want the chance to win more money with less picks? Head over to Sleeper. They're the number one app in the app store, number one sports app in the app store. And you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. Sleeper is now offering that 100 times payout for up to eight pick contest. It's really simple because all you have to do is choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like homers, strikeouts for pitchers, hits, and more. Get your picks right and you could win big. Think Spencer Steer's going to bang? Smash more on those homers. Think Joey's going to bang? And what could be his final homestand of his career? Smash more on those homers. If you think Hunter Green's going to deal, then smash more on those strikeouts. Entries can be made in 30 seconds or less. It's that easy. They also have safe and fast withdrawals whenever you're ready to get your money out. Use promo code Locked On when you get, and you'll also get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. So win 100 times your money on your on your bet and or on your daily picks and uh get a $100 match on your first deposit by using promo code locked on. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Remember that if you can't be down at Grand American Ballpark for this final home stand of the season, you can catch every pitch of the Reds hometown broadcast with Tommy and with the Cowboy and with Chris Welsh and Jim Day and everybody in, in, involved. 
on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search the word Reds. And if you'd like to support the show, join me on subtext by texting GoReds to 513-597-0944, and you can get texts from me. You can text me with your questions, your comments, your thoughts on the game, all that great stuff. And we'll have a Q&A shows coming up here where our subtexters will get first dibs. So check it out today. Uh, you can join for a 14-day free trial by texting Go Reds to 513-597-0944. And thanks, as always, for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day. Every day is coming up tomorrow on the show. Hunter Green will try and keep the Reds in the wild card race. We'll talk about his next performance. Going to give you some thoughts on uh, what he needs to do coming up here in just a minute. But I want to talk about Ellie De La Cruz because... Things have not been great for him. I mean, and I think that, you know, everybody's really going like hyper small sample size and saying, boy, this last week's been really bad. Really, since the All-Star break, it's been pretty bad. And just watching him last night, watching his body language, watching how he approached bats, watching how he approached plays in the field, Ellie's confidence has been just sapped. And that has totally tanked his game. Ellie's a confidence guy, right? I, I think really every baseball player is. It's not as if Ellie's alone in that. And we saw it with Connor Phillips on Monday night. When you have confidence, you can do anything on a baseball field. You can absolutely do whatever your team needs to help to, to get that dub, to get that win. He came up with all the confidence in the world in June. Just a quick refresher, if you forgot, from his call-up to the All-Star break, he had a 325 batting average, got on base 36% of the time, and had a slugging percentage over 524. Now, that's in 30 games, so it's a small sample size, but he hit four homers and stole 16 bags. He was looking good. Now, a key caveat to all of this is he had a super high Batting average on balls in play. Super high BABIP. 441. Completely unsustainable. It was going to come down, which meant that everything else was going to sort of normal out a little bit. The interesting thing with this is he was hitting the ball on the ground a lot. He still hits the ball on the ground a little bit, but it's it's less. Because his since he was caught up to the All-Star break, he hit the ball on the ground almost 60% of the time. Ellie is the most dangerous when the ball's on the ground because he can beat out just about. He, he's been getting thrown out in a lot of cases here recently, but I'm to the opinion of if the ball's on the ground, he's got better chance than most to beat that throw out to first. Ever since the All-Star break, that's been cut down by 10%. He's still hitting 50% ground balls, but he, he took that 10% and he added it to his fly ball ratio. The old, uh, you know, for those of you that love major leagues uh, or that love the major league movies, the old Willie Mays Hayes thing. He's in way too many balls in the air, and there's no reason for it because if the ball's not on the ground, he can't beat out a throw to first. And he's striking out more. Ever since the All-Star break, he has a 36% strikeout rate as opposed to just 28% before the break. And, and I think it all boils down. I think we can really look at that first series back from the all-star break three games against Milwaukee. He goes over 12 dude had all the confidence in the world. Dude had all the swagger in the world. 
with his debut. Then there's a little bit of a break. He stops playing for a few days. And his first action back, he gets dominated by the opposing pitching staff. That's tough, right? That's That was really his first welcome to the big leagues. You got to figure this thing out moment. How do you deal with all of that success that you have right before the all-star break? And then you come right back and bam, it smacks you in the head. You're in the majors now. Because whenever Ellie, there, there was always a point at every single level of the minor leagues that whenever Ellie got to a point at each level, he figured things out and he never had a problem after that. He got to a point in single A and in, in low A and high A and double A and triple A that everything clicked. And after that, there were no problems after he was hitting over 300. He was getting on base almost 40% of the time and just clobbering the ball with crazy high slugging percentages had no problems whatsoever, but the major league game is different. Even if you're Mike Trout, even if you're Shohei Otani, if you're Mookie Betts, you're Ronald Acuna, every one of them goes through a period of time where they know everything. And then something happens, and they've got to figure it out. They've got to adjust. This is just an adjustment period for Ellie. And, and another key thing, there's there's because the stats are bad, obviously. Since the All-Star break, Ellie has a 181 batting average, a 266 on base, and a 332 slugging. That's horrible. He'd be the first to say that. And that's in 57 games, so a bigger, almost double sample size than, you know, right before the All-Star break. Key difference, I mentioned the ground ball rate and the fly ball rate going up. The batting average on balls in play since the All-Star break, 266. Huge correction. Kind of an overcorrection. That's actually lower than league average, but not, not like the difference between league average and 441. But still, like he's getting a little unlucky with the balls that he's putting in play. And he's still hitting the ball hard, which is a good sign. Because that was something I was a little bit worried about. Looking at the numbers, he still hits the ball with an average exit velocity over 91 miles an hour. Which is actually harder than he was hitting it there in that first part. Just before the All-Star break. So it's it, it, that's intriguing to me. That at least at the plate, I, I feel like there are some signs... Some of the things that say, you know what, this could get better. The things that worry me the most is that out in the field, he has gotten chaotic. Yeah, chaotic's the word. He has 13 total errors this season. 11 of them have come since August 1st. And of those 13 errors, 12 are at shortstop. In fact, whenever he was playing third base a lot there in the beginning, whenever Matt McClain was healthy, he only had one error during that time. And according to one of my favorite fielding stats, we talk about this a lot, outs above average. It's not a, it's not like a, you know, catch all thing, but it's a, it's a beginning of understanding when it comes to fielding. According to this, he was better at third, three outs above average, as opposed to one outs above average at short. And just to compare, Matt McClain has two outs above average at short, so better shortstop defensively. So I really feel like his position moving forward is third base or or somewhere else than shortstop. But 
it's just been, I, I think it all ties back to this confidence thing because he loses confidence at the plate that affects him in the field, that affects him on the base pass, it affects everything. Confidence is key when it comes to sports. Confidence is a key when it comes to pretty much everything, but especially sports. <laughs> you got to have all the confidence that you can go out there and do what you need to do, and if you don't have that confidence... That's tough. Just ask anybody who's not playing baseball anymore what confidence meant to their game. And it just seems like ever since he started off the second half of the season, over 12 against the Brewers, he's not found his rhythm since. But I think he will. The interesting thing is going to be whenever Matt McClain comes back for the final five games, how's that work out? Because Noel V. Marte is playing really well. CES is playing really well. Ellie's not. And the future is just, I mean, supernova bright for Ellie. I got no worry about the future for him. But I am worried about from this point until the end of the season, hopefully that's, you know, including postseason games, what are we going to get out of him till then? And the offseason is going to be intriguing. We'll, we'll talk about that later. I want to talk about that with Steve. But he's got to get that confidence back, however that happens. They're on the field. You know, today, this is an important start, an important start for Hunter Green. <clears throat> Excuse me, an important start for Hunter Green. I'll tell you why coming up next. Before I do, I want to tell you about another one of today's sponsors because today's episode is brought to you in part by Jace Medical. You know, modern medical care and treatment are very important, but our global supply chains are fragile. Things like pandemics, natural disasters, and foreign travel may cut you off from the treatment that you need at a dire point. Jace Medical is your solution. Just fill out their online form, and one of their board-certified physicians will review it to determine whether medications are safe and appropriate for you. In addition, you will be able to send your physician a message for answers to treatment-related questions at any time. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access. We all want to know that we have the things that we need in an emergency. Jace Medical can help you with that with the Jace Case. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using my code LOCKEDON at checkout. Just go to jacemedical.com. Again, that's the promo code LOCKEDON at jasemedical.com. As the Reds and Twins finish up today's, uh, finish up their three-game set and the Pirates are coming to town, if you can't be down at Great American Ballpark, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search the word Reds. Plus, you can follow the podcast on all your favorite uh, podcasting platforms, including right here on YouTube. Thanks so much for checking out the show today. Make sure that you're subscribed and you click that bell to get notified whenever we've got new content for you. Also, join the community on Discord. A lot of great folks talking Reds baseball all day long, every day. Over on the Lockdown Reds Discord page, there's a link down in the description of today's episode for you to join. 
All right, this series finale here with the Twins. Obviously, Reds need to win. Really, from here on out, the Reds are pretty much in a must-win game. Let's just go ahead and say that because when they lose, and especially like what happened last night when they lose and everybody else wins, then it looks real bad. Now, the good thing is the Reds are still only a game out of the wild card spot. It's not like they've been knocked completely out of this thing, but you definitely don't want to dig yourself a hole. In comes Hunter Green because this starts a gut check for the Reds. If they're going to have these games where you're not sure who's pitching, or, you know, Connor Phillips, he gave an amazing performance on Monday. His first two performances before that were not amazing. You've got to rely on him going forward to make at least two more starts. You've got to rely on Andrew Abbott a little bit to make a start or two. Brandon Williamson to make a start or two. Hunter Green's got to be the anchor for this pitching staff. No if and or buts about it, because if he's not, they won't make the postseason. I know I said that the bullpen can get them there, but they have to have Hunter Green. Hunter Green, looking at the way that the schedule works out, pitch every fifth day, not every fifth game, every fifth day, he should pitch three times, including today. He should pitch three more times until the end of the regular season, including today. All three of those starts have to be wins. Not a, you know, gosh, golly, gee, he threw some good pitches. They just got hit too hard. It's not going to be any sort of things where it's like, you know, rose-colored goggles here where we're just like, ah, man, Hunter almost had it. Hunter's got to have it. Hunter Green has to be the guy. He has to be him. We always say that, you know, about different players when they play well. We're like, ah, he is him. He is the guy you want. That's kind of got to be the expectation here for Hunter Green because look, the Reds pitching staff throughout this season has had different aces for different times. There was a point where Andrew Abbott was the ace. There was a point where... Graham Ashcraft was the ace. There was a point where, really, I don't know that I can say Hunter Green has been the ace at some point. He's had a couple of nice starts, but he's not been the guy that everybody relies on. He must be that guy now. Because Andrew Abbott seems to be on the downslope as far as his performances go for the rest of this season. I think he's going to be a fine pitcher in the future, but this is his first big-time year in big-time baseball This is what's happening. This is what's happened to every rookie pitcher that has pitched as much as he has. It just, it's wear and tear. Hunter Green needs to be the guy to pick it up. Nick Lodolo's not coming back. Graham Ashcraft's not coming back. The Reds need a stabilizing force, an anchor for this pitching staff, an anchor for this starting rotation that has been so bad all year long. And I know that I'm saying this about Hunter Green, who he himself has had his inconsistencies. Ever since he came back from the injured list, his first two starts were not that good. Now, his most recent outing was very promising. His his most recent outing showed the kind of Hunter Green that the Reds need the rest of the way. Because the Reds need, and, and, and what does that look like? At least six innings. I think five innings from Hunter Green is like, 
okay, well, could have been better. He needs a, he needs to pitch at least six. He needs to give the Reds six innings, uh, and, and just keep them in the ball game. Keep them in the ball game. Keep the other team off the board as much as you can. I'm not saying he has to pitch six shutout innings, but definitely don't be something like six innings of five run ball or six innings of six run ball or something like that. Give me a quality start. Next three starts that he has, because looking at it, it'll be now he won't pitch in the Pirates series, but then he should pitch in Cleveland, and then he should pitch the final game of the year against the Cardinals. Now, that will be an interesting one because you could play with that depending on where the Reds are in the playoff race. If it's something where they could possibly pitch somebody else that day and then have Hunter Green go in the first game of the wild card, that kind of lines up nicely there. But that's, that's you know, we got to, that's putting the cart way before the horse. There's still plenty of days in between now and then before we worry about that. But Hunter Green absolutely has to be that guy. It starts today. What's he going to do against this Twins lineup? Because they make no mistake about it, Tuesday night, the lineup that the Twins rolled out there, Carlos Correa is not healthy. He was not on the field. The, the lineup that the Twins had, and, and Royce Lewis um, tweaks something in one of his swings, and he actually had to be replaced mid at bat. I believe that was in the sixth or seventh inning. So you're talking about very little star power on this Twins lineup. Very little to worry about. And I know that that's like, you know, geez, kiss of death, Jeff. You're setting them up for failure here by saying that the Twins lineup isn't that good, but they're not. They don't score a lot. Their whole deal is they keep other teams from scoring a lot. And so they win ball games 2-1 to one or 3-2 to two or 3-1 to one or, you know, whatever. They don't score a ton of runs. If Hunter Green can really keep that lineup down and really shut down the Twins, and then this Reds lineup can get a few on the board, we'll be talking about a win. <clears throat> and that's what Hunter Green needs to do. In his final two or three starts that he has left this season, the Reds have to win, and he has to be the catalyst for that. Just no two ways about that. And that's how we'll end today's podcast. Thanks so much for checking out today's Locked On Reds. Before we get out of here, don't forget you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search the word Reds. But that'll wrap up this edition of Locked On Reds. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen every day. Every day is coming up on the next Locked On Reds podcast. Will Hunter Green get these Reds a series win and put them back in the middle of the wild card? Stay tuned. We'll talk about it tomorrow because we are locked on Reds every single day.